think in terms of what your audience wants to hear rather than what you want to say. We all get so hung up on, these are all the things I want to tell people about my company and about my brilliance and about my services. And instead turn it into what are they coming to this for? What's the value that they want and make that the first thing you give them. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest expert on the podcast, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about an episode or an area that I think is even more relevant. It was very relevant before COVID and has only been increased in, uh, as we move to more of a digital online presence, at least for the period of time. Ken Malay, and I apologize, I always uh, mess up names, and so I uh, wanted to make sure we got Ken Malay right. And uh, he is uh, going to talk about webinars, which is, I think, one that is a uh, First of all, an area of interest, people may not have got into it beforehand and now they're looking to get into it, or you've I've always wondered about getting into it, how to get into it, what it costs, what to think about, have a great conversation. So with that much as, a po- or as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Ken. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. I appreciate the invitation. So I gave kind of a quick introduction to what we're going to talk about, and we'll definitely dive into that. But before we do, kind of give us a, just a brief introduction on yourself, why you're an expert, why you know what you're talking about, and uh, what, or what, uh, what uh, gives you the experience on webinars. Sure. I come from both a technical and a marketing background. I started mm. out on the programming side of things, and then I moved to product marketing, where I worked in Silicon Valley at a big software manufacturer and ended up as director of product marketing for them. And we used a lot of webinars in our business. And mm. I started recognizing that people weren't doing it very well. Whenever I had on a, a guest, they, mm. they seemed to have a lot of troubles with the, the whole format. And I thought there's really a niche market here that isn't being served. People need a little bit of expertise. And I thought mm. I had built that up. So back in 2004, I started my own consulting and support company, and I've been providing services ever since then. So that's been 16 plus years of doing this, uh, (laughs) trying to help people be better presenters, be better administrators and moderators, make their webinars more effective and impactful for their businesses. Well, I think that's a great background and you have a, a ton of experience. So I'm excited to, to have you impart a little bit of uh, your experience and knowledge to the to the the audience here. So maybe diving into it now. So maybe my first is probably a very simple question, but I'll ask it anyway. So you have webinars and it seems like a lot of different people have different definitions of what a webinar is. And it could be everything from I'm not saying they're all correct definitions, but they have a lot of everything from a Facebook live where I post about my family or my dog or my cat all the way to you do more of an, you know, an actual expertise where you get on, you have multiple people joining, you know, whether it's a Zoom meeting or other platforms and you can actually get on, share an expertise. It can be a, you know, some people think about it as a presentation to the company or company-wide presentation. So give me maybe a help up people understand kind of what is a webinar, a little bit how you can leverage it and what and how you might use it. Sure. Terminology is horrifically non-standard in this space. <laughs> Anybody will say anything they feel like. So <laughs> I've I tried to put my own um, disambiguation around that. 
you get web conferencing as a whole, an umbrella term that mm. incorporates all the things you were talking about, whether it's a one-to-one -one personal meeting, a video conference, whether it's a big webcast going out to thousands of people, or whether mm. it's a little more interactive. I think webinars, a web seminar, falls into a middle space. It's not just one-to-one -one kind of back and forth, open topic communication, and it's not mostly a one-way, I'm just mm. going to present a bunch of information and you have to be passive. So it should mm. be a one-to-many or few-to-many kind of mm. situation where you expect some interaction with the audience. It's primarily presentation-oriented. However, you want to get something back from people, expect to get some participation. So now, now you you already I have tons of questions. So you already spur, spurred a few of them, which is one of the things that I think is hard with, and maybe hopefully you can help me or shed some light. Hard with doing a webinar or any kind of you know conferencing where you're doing video is to get people to engage or interact. Right? If you're doing a live presentation where you have the audience, first of all, you can kind of feed off the audience. You can gauge the audience, see if they're laughing at your jokes or they're not laughing at your jokes, or if somebody's raising their hand, you can see them raising their hand. And you can kind of gauge, hey, is this going well or is this not going well? Are people liking it or not liking it? It seems like when you move on to kind of the the digital platforms, at least for the most part, it's a little bit harder to present or to get that engagement or to be able to kind of, you said, it shouldn't be just be a full one-way conversation the whole time. And I get up and give a 30-minute presentation, say thanks for attending and then, you know, stop. But it's a little bit more conversational where people ask. So how do you kind of, for people that are just getting into it, get a bit more of that engagement and get people to be involved? Or is there a way to do it? It's definitely an unnatural experience uh, to a large extent you feel the same way that in past years, a radio talk show host might have felt. You just have to believe there's an audience out there listening to you. But mm. unlike radio, you do have some of those features that you can use to get some of that information coming back to you. And mm. feeling comfortable with working those in is very important. So you have vendors who are telling you to do things like the number one has always been put a poll up on your webinar and, and ask people to vote on something. Here's a mm. question. Here are a few answer choices. Let's see what the results come in. And that certainly can, can get people to be more active members. I like just using the chat facility. It's built into every, every webinar platform and just mm. ask a question or ask for comments and say, let me read some of the things that you're typing and respond mm. to people that way. The key thing is to let people know that you know that they're there and that mm. you're responding to anything that they give you, any little bit of that, so that you're not mm. just talking to thin air and you would say the same thing whether they were there or not. Hmm. No, and I think that's a good, I like, first of all, like, as, as simple as it is, the chat features oftentimes it seems like people feel more at home with just putting a quick, quick question on a chat or interacting with people because it's not quite as they don't feel like they're cutting someone off or jumping into their presentation. So I think that's a good idea. And then I think that, you know, almost to your point is, you know, making it so people feel like you're responding to their question or that you're actually tailoring it. You know, the worst is when you say, that's a great question. Then you go on with your conversation. Oh, we'll get to that later that they never, you never get to it later or any number of things. And then it's like, well, I, where, I didn't, you know, you're not being heard and then you quickly tune out. And so I think that's one that's uh, definitely a good thing to hit on. Now, one of the kind of follow-up questions to that is, as people, some people, I, I, I've been doing, you know, Zoom and we did it, we had it set up for my, my, uh, 
law firm, Miller IP Law, well before Zoom was cool or before COVID hit type of a thing. And so we've been doing it for a while and you get used to the platform, you get used to doing the interactions and you get a bit more comfortable. But yeah, you certainly put a lot of people or a lot of people have been put in a situation where they weren't familiar with it. They weren't doing webinars. They were doing live presentations and entertainment and everything else. And they're trying to now figure that out, make that, you know, that transition. Any other kind of tips that they should be considering is they're trying to maybe move to more of an online or digital or platform or do some of those things. Yeah, um, there are a number of things that are a little bit different when you move to this remote environment for presentation. One is just building in more of those opportunities to interact with your audience. Another Mm. is think in terms of the individual rather than the group. In a room environment, when you're giving a presentation on a stage somewhere, or even in a conference room where you have people sitting around a table, you can say, hey, you guys, does anybody have a question for me? Mm. In a webinar, where it's one person sitting at their computer watching you, if you say, hey, you guys, I was wondering if anybody has a question, the response is for everybody to sit back and look around and say, first of all, I don't know who he's talking to. And second of all, yeah, I guess I'll find out if anybody has a question. So you talk to the individual. And you say, I'm wondering if you have a question for me. I'd love to hear from you. Always use the singular. And that can spur Mm. more of that sense of one-to-one interaction and Mm. put more emphasis on I'm waiting for something from each of my audience members rather than an amorphous group. No, let me follow up one question to that. Now, I come from, as you as you probably guessed, Miller IP law, a lawyer background. So law school, they put you through kind of what's called the Socratic method, which they just call on you. They tell you or ask you a question about the point of law or the case that you should have studied the day before. They'll keep on you for a while until you figure they either figure you've adequately answered the question or they'll push you to a point where you can't answer the question and, and then they'll move on or something of that nature. But it's really just a, hey, Devin or whatever the name is, what do you think about this? Or what, you know, what's your analysis when you're getting into webinar and I don't know the answer. So I asked the expert, should you call on people by name? And is it, you know, should you say, Hey, what do you think? So-and-so about this topic, does it make it more uncomfortable? Does it make it more interactive? How do you gauge that? Okay. You have to know your application and your audience. First of all, Mm. I might do that a lot in a private one company kind of situation. I'm working with one small group of people, or if I'm in a webinar that's intended for a sales call or for a private product introduction and Mm. and say, I want a lot of feedback from you, Devin, what do you think about this? In Mm. a larger public webinar where you open things up, you have to be a little more careful, obviously. Uh, You, people aren't going to have things that are applicable to everybody else's interests and Mm. they might not want to be called on that way. So, Mm. I like using the first name approach because people's ears do perk up and they say, Mm. yes, there's somebody who's actually acknowledging the fact that we're here. Mm. So I'll say, oh, I just saw an interesting comment from Mary who is Mm. asking me about this. So Mary, thanks for, for that. I love getting these questions in. I've just confirmed that, yes, I'm paying attention to the people who are listening to me. I'm responding to what they say. I'm thanking them for their participation. All of those are good things, but I'm not saying Mary's full name so she doesn't feel like she's being outed to everybody else. Maybe she was supposed to be doing some other work instead of watching this (laughs) webinar. And those can really help with spurring the attention and engagement while not making people feel on the spot. I wouldn't Hmm. go after somebody in a law context of, come on, what's the answer? No, you didn't get it right yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> I I love that, but I'm I'm a unique breed. I had to go through law school, so I'm like, oh, it's nice. But I'm like, it's you get comfortable with it. But I think a lot of times it pushed it. But I like that kind of giving the first name, kind of giving the interaction while not fully calling him out like law school so that, you know, kind of spurs that conversation. So I'm going to jump shift gears just a little bit because we kind of jumped over one th- or question that I thought about that I wanted to ask because I get, a, you know, ask a lot of or a lot of other people ask me, which is when should you consider a webinar? And I, I would assume, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that, you know, not everybody or every business or every circumstance, you should be doing webinars, but you also not, should not never be doing webinars. And there's a lot of times where it's beneficial. So if you're a kind of a startup, small business, entrepreneur, you've got different types of businesses, when should you be considering doing webinars? When does it make sense? Sure. You know that classic advertising phrase, part of this complete nutritious breakfast. You shouldn't eat only bacon in your diet and nothing else, but a little bacon with everything else is great. So I think of webinars the same way. They should be a part of an overall campaign strategy, whether it's your marketing and lead generation, whether it's communications with existing customers to keep them updated and informed of developments and things that are going on and new offerings, whether it is part of the sales nurturing process. All of these are different things and training as well. Um, And this goes down to a lot of times I find myself talking in terms of large enterprise kinds of ways of thinking. If you're a solo entrepreneur or a Soho or a very small business provider, it still applies. I know one person who has, uh, has had a wonderful correspondence with me over the years. She runs a dog training business. And they do webinars as part of their thought leadership and offering the information for trainers and dog owners on here are some techniques that you can use. If you want to find out more, you should get in touch with our company. It's much the same kind of thing that you're doing with these types of podcast video podcasts themselves. A little Mm. thought leadership, a little taste of we know what we're talking about. And as a trusted resource, you can come back and learn more. And that's a great way for companies of any size to make use of these and to help people to say, yes, I can build up a little goodwill. I believe what you're telling me has value and I'd like to come back and find out more. Mm, No, and I think that that definitely makes sense. And so maybe one or kind of one of a follow-up question. So because I think that you get a misconception and so that, you know, webinars are really for the hey, we're going to start a webinar in order to make a lot of money. We're going to start a series and everybody's going to pay us $50 or $100. You know, you know it's kind of the, well, if we just get 100 people and they each pay us $100, we'll make a lot of money type of a thing. And so is the main, should the main purpose, and it's probably a, it depends answer, and I definitely get it, but should it be to make money to get it, a whole bunch of people to attend? Should it be to get your name out there? Kind of, as you mentioned, kind of show, show off, showcase your expertise, or does it kind of go business by business? Kind of what is it, if you're entering into it and kind of thinking about how you should start to, if as a, as a business, do a webinar, should it be focused on money, sharing expertise, growing audience, or kind of how do you balance that? Yeah, the answer is yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you should, if it's appropriate for your business and your applications, if you're an association, then you should be doing webinars saying, 
it makes sense to sign up with our association to get your professional status. And you can mm. do that easily. Here's a link and it's going to cost you a little money you know, as membership fees. Sure. Mm. If you are selling a direct product, then you can do a webinar saying, let me tell you what this product does and the value it provides. And here's a link for ordering it. Okay, great. Mm. That's a direct revenue thing. If your service provision is providing expertise, then you can perhaps charge people to attend the webinar in the first place and say, you're going to get real value out of this. It's going to help your business and it's worth paying to get that value. So there's a revenue generator. And sometimes it's just straight marketing, thought leadership and saying, I need you to know that I'm here, in which case you're not going to charge. And that's going to be an indirect revenue and customer building later. Mm. And all of those are appropriate and all should be considered as part of what you do in your business, if that's appropriate for you. Mm. No, it definitely makes sense. So now with that, one of the biggest fears that I, you know, I would have, and I'm sure others have on a, a pure webinar is, hey, I'm going to put on this webinar. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to market it. I'm, I'll put it on whether LinkedIn or social media or, you know, put it out on a newsletter or whatever, and nobody will attend or one or two people or attend. And now it kind of feels like it's a failure, you know, egg on my face that here we put in all this time and effort and the one or two people that attend are going to feel kind of awkward because they're the only one or two people there. So is there, you know, first of all, is that just fighters are a way to kind of overcome that? Or how do you kind of get that initial ball rolling as you don't know what to expect or how many people will attend or how to get that attendance level up. Yeah, there you're rolling into the classic problem of how do you market anything in a business world, <laughs> whether it's a white paper, whether it's letting people know you have a website or whether it's a webinar that you're putting on. So you need to get the word out. With a webinar, usually there's an easy way to build a registration page and then you start putting that link on your Facebook page and, and the signature on your emails that are going out to everybody and mm. in professional interest groups on LinkedIn or Facebook, if you're in those. So mm. getting the word out and letting people know that it exists. Now, what if not a lot of people show up to the webinar? Have you just wasted all the time? If that's the only thing you do with it, sure, you've wasted a lot of time, but it shouldn't be. You should mm. now be able to take that and use it as a content resource. This is where you get into something called content marketing. If people aren't familiar with that term, it's been around a long time in the content, in the marketing world. And mm. it's saying, let me put snippets of information out there that show that we're a trusted resource and all these things exist. And you say, can I cut it down and make a nice short version of it and use it as a teaser in ads for other things or mm. let customers know, here's something you might not have seen. Here's a link to it. I thought you might like to see it again, or put mm. it up on YouTube or Vimeo, or put it on your website. Let the long tail continue to get value out of the recording of it. And now mm. you've got something that works for you on and on and on. And it's not a one-shot deal. No, and I think that's, that's a great and valuable. Cause I mean, in the day we're in the era we're in content is certainly king, or there's a lot of things to do with content, repurposing, using the content, posting it, reposting it, cutting it down, using it for snippets and everything else, I think is a, an, a valuable thing because everybody's always, oh, I don't know what to post. I don't have any content. I don't know what to do. And yet if you do a few, if you do, you know, even a, a 30 minute video, you can, or, you know, webinar or that you can get a lot of content. You can also, even if you only have a few people, I think show up, you can see what people liked, what didn't work. And kind of, it, you know, as with a lot of marketing, you have to build the momentum a lot of times. So you may not have a huge 5,000 or a person attendance success with the first webinar. It doesn't mean you should give up out of the shoot. 
one other question kind of do that you know i'm just kind of hitting on a few questions of i think what or stumbling blocks as people get into it is do webinars need to be a costly thing or an expensive thing to get into should you devote a ton of marketing research and or marketing dollars to it and put a lot of or build it should you or slowly get into the waters and test it out and see how it works or kind of what is the cost that people should be kind of con- considering when they're when they're thinking about doing starting up a webinar you have a number of costs involved first of all there's licensing a product a platform a webinar platform you can use that mm. doesn't have to be a lot of money at all go to webinar if you're going to use that is less than a hundred dollars and that'll get you a hundred or more people capacity zoom you can get in there a basic zoom account is fifteen dollars you add the webinar package that gives you registration and some additional features and that's another fifty dollars so mm. you know you're not at a lot of money for the technology Are you going to want outside services? Okay, great. There are people like me who provide those. Yeah, we'll charge you as much as we can take off of you. Uh, But you don't need that. (laughs) You can do it yourself. And I think it's important to try and get at least somebody who's presenting and somebody who's helping and doing the technical side of things, moderating, administering, looking at the questions coming in, because it takes a lot of load off of the speaker. And then- Oh, go ahead. And then you've got the marketing side of it. How do you promote it and let people know? I just gave you a whole bunch of things you can do for free, putting things on your website, putting them in your email, putting them on Facebook. Those are all free. And Mm. then, of course, you can spend as much money as you have on marketing and buy lists and do campaign Mm. mails and everything. Typically, that's something that big enterprises do and not the smaller startup kind of company but they're there for you. So Mm. you decide what's the potential value you're going to get out of that larger audience. And is it worth spending the money up front for Mm. your first one? I don't suggest doing it. I Mm. think you should start small and then do a survey after your webinar and say, not just, did you like it? Yes, no, but ask some specifics. Did this platform work well for you? Did you get communications that made sense? Was this the right content for you? Was the length right? And use that to adapt and, and refine your offerings. And as you get better at giving people what they want for your specific audience, it makes more sense to dump a little more money into what you're doing with it. No, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's a lot of valuable input. And you kind of touched on one question I was going to follow up with, which is, you know, you said, you know, you guys, you obviously are an expert on it. You offer some services. If you're a startup or small business, when should you start to say, you know, start to consider going to you guys? Because, you know, it's kind of the old, everybody, when does I, you know, come and ask a patent attorney, when do I need a patent? Do I need a patent? They're going to say, yeah, you need a patent and I can help you with that. You know, and, and, I think there's a lot of value to patents. Otherwise I wouldn't do it, but there's a time and a place and when it makes sense to actually pursue that. If you're kind of the, in that small startup, small business stage, when should you consider doing it on your own, getting it going versus reaching out to someone like you and start to get some more expertise? If you've never done any of this before, you should probably at least get a little advice and consulting, even if a provider isn't going to do the services for you, Mm. find out what's the right way to do it. There are a lot of free resources. I'll push my blog. It's free. Go out to thewebinarblog.com. I've got tips going back for a decade or more of just ways to make yourself do things better. So you'll find that if you just look at the tips category. And there are other resources. There are books. It's, it's much the same as with any other specific skill. Should you put up wallpaper yourself or should you hire a contractor who's good at it? How comfortable are you with it? Have you ever tried it before? Are you willing to experiment? And if something goes wrong, 
you deal with that and and make it work right and reline it up and and get it working properly it's the same thing with a webinar if you have nobody to help you if you're a solo entrepreneur you're one person in your new business try and get a little help get somebody else you can trust to take over part of those tasks for you because you're going to go crazy trying to manage it all and deliver your content you're not going to feel as comfortable on screen while you're doing it hmm. no if I, I not a few people in your company then go ahead and work with them and brainstorm a little bit. Have we covered all of our bases? Use a checklist, look up webinar checklists. They're out there and make sure you've ticked off all the boxes. No, I think that's awesome. I think that, that you know, I think that's, that's a fair answer. And I think that, you know, getting that assistance, I am always of the ex, of the opinion, at least go out and ask an expert in the field, you know, get a mentor, buy him lunch, do whatever. And some people are saying, Hey, I've got way too many people offering me lunch, but find someone that you can, you know, get an expert or at least a little bit of advice or, or mentors and expertise, even if you're not going to necessarily fully hire their services to get things kicked off. And then Differently, if as you grow and as it makes sense, then return the favor and you know if they if they're a good a good resource, use them as a resource. So now I'm going to ask. You know, I always say one more question. I always have a whole bunch more questions. So I always try and stop saying one more question. But as we as we try and wrap towards before I get to my final question, which I ask at the end of each expert episode, I do have one other one, which is. Let's say you got it, you wanted to do a webinar, you wanted to do it, and you decided I wanted to charge, you know, hey, I'm going to put in a lot of, I want to make this a big thing, I want to have a show off our expertise, or maybe I'm going to have a few different guests that come on. And so we make it a little bit more of a series or something of that nature with a webinar. How do you, and it's, it probably gets into the marketing and sales side, but how do you kind of, any idea of how to start setting the cost or what you should charge for a webinar? Should you do it free for the first one and, you know, try and get people involved and get an email list? And if you're going to charge, you know, how do you even start to get an idea of if you don't, you know, I, I'll back up and I'll let you finish the question. But if there are other comps out there, it's easy if you can say, oh, this is what everybody else is charging. That may or may not be a good thing because they may be a big company. They may have done a ton of these. They may have a big following and people are willing to pay. Whereas you're a little guy just getting started and nobody's going to pay $50 for somebody they've never heard of. So is there a way, is any thoughts on how you might consider what you might start charging? Do you know the cartoon? It's a classic that says on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. It's a dog <laughs> sitting at his computer. It's the same thing with webinars. On the internet, nobody knows that you're just a startup one-person operation. Don't be afraid of comping yourself against a big company. Great. They charge $1,000 for this training. They do a, a training class that is two days long, full days. Okay, I'm going to do a webinar that's 90 minutes. Let me cut that down. 500 for one day. Um, half a day would be 250 Okay, that feels reasonable compared to what they're doing. If they offer the same kind of content and they say, we've got experts who know how to do this, we're going to charge you $150, $200 to attend a one-hour webinar, charge exactly the same thing. Do the same comps. Don't make yourself be the cut rate person. That rate to the race to the bottom is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so no. yeah, find the comps. If, you've, if there's nobody else in the entire world doing the same thing you're, you're doing, <laughs> and you're the only person in your space offering that, find a different topic that is somewhat similar in terms of the length of time you're thinking about offering or the amount of content in another field and see what they're charging. It's the only way, and it makes sense because that's already the expectation that your potential target audience has. The only thing they know as to what's reasonable is what they've seen other places, so why not be the same? 
No, and I like that. And I like that, you know, if you, as the old saying goes, you know, if you're a race, if race to the bottom, everybody loses in the sense that if all you're trying to do is be in the cut rate and that, first of all, you're going to put off the perception. I think that people are going to say you're not as valuable or you don't have as good a content or you're not as worthwhile. And so they may not come and do it because you're not, a, you're comparable. But then to your point is I like that, you know, kind of the old cartoon that, you know, you don't know that it's a dog on the internet, but you know, if you do a good job and you're putting out as good or better content than the other ones and you put out a good person and you and you do it why wouldn't you charge the same for your expertise as what somebody else would we could go down a ton of rabbit holes that i would have an absolute blast to do but we don't have time to always do that but i wanted to um ask i always ask one question at the end of each expert episode so we'll jump to that now which is if you're talking to a somebody that's you know startup in a small business and they could only do one thing only one thing that they could take away and they could if they had to get started somewhere what would be that one thing to get started think in terms of what your audience wants to hear rather than what you want to say. We all get so hung up on, these are all the things I wanna tell people about my company and about my brilliance and about my services. And instead turn it into, what are they coming to this for? What's the value that they want? And make that the first thing you give them. Never start a webinar with, hi, I thought I'd give you a little background on when we founded our company and what our of our certifications are and all the rest. Instead, you say, you know what? You need to know how to run your business better. I know that's the key thing on your mind. And that's what I'm going to tell you. Boom. Now people feel comfortable. That's how you structure your presentation. It's how you structure the way you market the information. It's how you structure the way that the presenter is talking to people at mm. all times. Everything that you do should be presented with an assumption of altruism. The only reason you're doing this is for their benefit and you're getting nothing from it. Now, no mm. people know that's not true, but they want to feel that way. And mm. so if you start thinking in those terms in every step of the process, you're going to have more satisfied audiences and you're gonna have a more effective webinar in terms of your marketing, in terms of attendance, in terms of results. No, I love that. And I'll give you the an example just because it hits so well on what you said is so, with as being a lawyer we have to do and it's not quite a webinar but they are very similar in webinar kind of feel it's called a, a cla which is continuing le or, uh, legal education and we have to go and I, I recently attended one that was a full day and you know everybody attends because they have to attend in order to keep or get their credits in order to make sure that their our license stays active but when i go to them my biggest gripe with them is that if you know all of this information that they're presenting is not valuable or useful for most attorneys. I mean, it's a fringe cases. I can't really apply them. It doesn't really make sense to me. I don't really come out and walk away with much or any value. And the only reason I'm doing this is because I have to, because the bar makes me do it type of a thing, which is a horrible experience. And so it doesn't make you ever want to do it other than you have to do it. And I like what you're saying is think of them, you know, what a different experience it would have been on the last one I attended if they said, hey, this is the things that we are seeing that lawyers need or what they have and how they are dealing with it. And here's some thoughts and ideas and here's some thought leaders. That would be an awesome one. So I love that. You know, that would have been an awesome CLE that I would have attended. And I think it makes for a great webinar. So I think that that is definitely a great takeaway. Well, as we wrap up now, if people want to, they are in this position where they're looking for um, hiring someone to help them with their webinars. They're looking for your expertise. They want to know more about what you do and, and how you do it and what they should be considering, or they just want to be your next best friend, whatever the reason they reach out, what's the best way to reach out, find out more about you and your services. 
Um, I already mentioned the blog. So the webinarblog.com is a great way to get information and tips and that's all free. And if you want to find out more, I've got the standard website and a contact form there and I read everything that comes in personally. So that's webinar success. It's wsuccess.com. And please go out, take a look. There's probably some good things that are going to help you out. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out. I think that webinars are a great platform, whether or not it's COVID, whether or not everybody's online. I think it's a way that you can reach a much bigger audience. You can show off your expertise and you can also make it a, a, a part of your business to where it generates that, re, whether it's referrals or revenue or anything else, definitely encourage people to reach out. Well, as we wrap up, if people, as uh, for all those that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell or you have your expertise to share, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. We'd love to have you and share your journey, your expertise. Also, if you're a listener, two things. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of the awesome episodes come out with the podcast. And two, leave us a review so other people can find us as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Ken. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. And I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Fun talking to you.